Please be seated. Well, sometimes you just need someone to live the message for you. Sometimes it's not enough to hear a good message. Sometimes you need someone to live the message right in front of you. And if there's anyone in my life who has really lived the message of Acts, not only our passage today, but the book of Acts, the reality represented in the book of Acts, it is our preacher today, Joe Deswan, and his wife, Carrie. Now, to be honest, in full disclosure, Joe is an old friend. I've known him for 17 years. And I'm not like super, you know what I mean? Like, that's a long time for me. Okay? It's a long time for me. Um, And I've seen the reality of the book of Acts be expressed through his life and through his sacrifices and through his faith over the years. Um, But he's not just a friend of mine. Joe is also a missionary. Joe has spent a good deal of time raising up missionaries in Idaho and taking them to India along with his wife Carrie and their kids for uh, months at a time. And uh, their newsletters are incredible to read about, the things that, that happen, both the mundane things as well as the surprising things that happen in India as they minister the gospel um, among, among, among people in India. Joe is also, finally, a pioneer who is bringing together something very unique. Um, as an Anglican, he is bringing together the uh, Youth with a Mission Discipleship Training School model together and putting it under Anglican oversight in our new Anglican province that we have. And he's raising up missionaries from within our province around the United States, bringing them in. He and his wife are training them for three months and then for an additional three months taking them to India. And they're doing this year after year and they're just getting started in Flower Mound, Texas. So um, in the last, let's say, seven years, Joe and Carrie and their kids were in Idaho training up missionaries and bringing them to India. Um, now they, are re- they have relocated to Texas so that they can bring together Anglicanism and the Discipleship Training School to serve our province. So you'll hear more. You will have an opportunity to learn more about, um, about this ministry that they're raising up. Um, after the service, Joe will be around. But uh, first, Joe is going to be preaching to us from Acts 3. And um, uh, so, Joe, why don't you come on up? And would you please give him a warm Emmanuel Anglican Church welcome? Well, this is a, this is a dream come true for me. Uh, uh, growing up, Aaron and I went to college together, lived on the same floor, worked out together, played basketball together, and always dreamed of ministering together. And so this is, this is just a great um, opportunity for me. How could I say no to, um, to Aaron's invitation? And the thing about it was is that when he said, hey, would you like to come and preach? We're doing a series on the book of Acts. And, um, and I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be really interesting. He's like, well, could you pre- preach on Acts 3? And I said, oh, that's, that's pretty interesting because I was just meditating on that passage a couple weeks before and really felt like God had had just you know, spoken to me through Acts chapter 3, and I think he has something for you um, this morning as well. So thank you. I'm very nervous. Uh, the act of preaching is like being at the crest 
of a roller coaster and the feeling like just before you start going down. That's how I feel right now. So <laughs> I'm not very practiced at it, but, uh, but yeah, thank you for just uh, welcoming us and for um, sharing God's work together. So if you have your Bibles or your bulletins, go ahead and turn to Acts uh, chapter 3. Um, I love Aaron's uh, series this summer, The Distinct People of God. We are the distinct people of God. And um, Aaron's taught about this. Other preachers have taught about it this, this summer. Um, we're distinct in two ma- major ways. One, the first thing is that we are commissioned by Jesus to do God's work in the world. We're commissioned by Jesus to do God's work in the world. Um, but he didn't leave us alone to do that. He didn't leave us to do that in the flesh. He also empowered us with the Holy Spirit. And so we're distinct because we're commissioned people and we're a people that have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And for this sermon today, it's for the purpose of being God's agents of healing and blessing in the world. Okay? And that's another distinct quality that the church has that we all have here this morning is that we are called uh, not only to be um, you know, evangelists, not only to be united, as Aaron preached on last week, but we are called to be a compassionate people. We are called to be God's uh, agents of healing and blessing in the world. Um, and I don't know about you, but that is a scary thing uh, for me, stepping out into, into those streams, working towards healing, uh, letting my emotions show. I'm, I'm Dutch, Dutch heritage. <laughs> and, you know, my, my life has been a, a life of learning how to let my emotions show, let my love for people show. Um, but God wants to use us to reconcile more and more people to him through our distinct identity, wherever he plants us, whether that be in uptown Chicago or in India or in Texas, wherever it is. <coughs> So we're called to be a compassionate people who work towards the healing, um, who work towards healing in people's lives. And I just want to break that down for a second. Um, that compassion basically is a deep and sincere love for people, a deep and sincere love for people that then has a desire to help them um, in whatever situation they're in. They may be in a suffering situation, they may just be in trouble. But compassion is that desire, that that love for them first, that feeling, that love, and then also the follow-up feeling of, man, I really want to help them. God has called us to deeply and sincerely love the people around us and to help them in the midst of their suffering or in the midst of their trouble. Um, This is probably true for a lot of you, but my life story um, is one of growing in love for people. All throughout my 20s, probably because I didn't have children like Aaron and I were talking about this morning. But all throughout my 20s, I was really good at loving myself. I was really good at extending my self-grace and, and criticizing others or you know, providing a place of acceptance for myself and judging others. <laughs> and um, just over, over the course of time, I felt like this, this more and more, um, as, I grow, as I draw nearer to Jesus, uh, as we mature in our faith, we're drawn into his heart of love. And, and obviously, also because the Spirit fills us, um, we're filled with God's love as well. Um, when, I first, uh, when God first called us into YWAM, into Youth with a Mission, uh, we had to do a discipleship training school. 
And it's like three months of intense training, and then you do three months of um, overseas missions work. And one of the courses, uh, one of the class weeks that I had was spiritual gifts. So we're all in this classroom together, you know, me and several of the other students and staff. And um, we're examining our spiritual gifts, and we're kind of sharing, you know, after we studied a little bit and learned about it, what, what kind of spiritual gifts we thought we had. Um, and I remember sharing that I felt like I had the spiritual gift of mercy and compassion. And everybody else in the classroom laughed at me. <laughs> and they said, they said, you have many gifts, Joe, but uh, uh, we do not see mercy and compassion in your life. Um, and I was just, I was actually, I just came to a realization just this week in preparing the sermon so obviously that hurt. I mean, it didn't hurt a whole bunch, and I didn't carry that as a wound, but it always kind of made me wonder, like, oh, do I really have the gift of compassion and mercy or not? And I came to the realization that, um, that I had this feeling in my heart, but I wasn't acting on it. I wasn't acting on the emotion that I had. And so the rest of the students, the rest of the staff, had nothing objective to verify whether or not this gift was in me or not. Um, and it's seven years later, still, still working on it. You know, I feel like I have more and more love for people and that I am, have more and more courage to, to step out and act on that, but it's still a process of, of development. So I was just, I was reading in my journal, looking back and, I don't know if I have, yeah, I need it for later. I won't, I don't need it right for now, but, um. I wrote down a couple weeks ago, just at the end of a prayer time, and I was just reading through my, my journal and reflecting on it, said, mostly I am filled with a deep love for people that I don't know how to express. So, I mean, not all the time do I have a deep love for everybody, you know, and maybe not all of us do either. Um, but mostly I have a deep love for people. I just love, I love people. I love to see them. I love the, the uniqueness that they have, how God's created them, what they bring to the table. Um, but the struggle in my life has been, I don't have a clue most of the time how to express it. Um, but that's the very thing that God is calling us to. He's calling us to be a compassionate people, to be a loving people. Um, and I think that the, um, uh, the, the problem that I have is twofold. And I think that probably a lot of us here have this same problem, is that first of all, we have this love, we have this feeling, we have, we have something genuine that God's done in our heart, but we don't know what to do. So that's the first problem. We don't know what to do with, with, with the love that we have. And secondly, I think the follow-up to that is that we feel powerless to do anything truly helpful in people's lives. So we may have this compassion, but we don't know what to do with the compassion and, and at the core of who we are, we, just, we, we feel powerless maybe to actually uh, affect any change or to, to cause any healing or whatever. So mostly we are filled, I'm going to include you guys in this now, mostly we are filled with a deep love for people, but we don't know what to do about it. And, um, and I think that Acts chapter 3 speaks to this. So this is going to be very practical, um, but take a look with me at uh, Acts chapter 2. 46, right above 3. Aaron preached about how we are a united people. And it says in 46 that 
Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Um, after Peter preached his sermon and, you know, 3,000 people were added to their number, the church for a little while, for a few days, kind of settled down a little bit, settled into a routine, actually. And one thing that they would do every day is they would, they would leave their homes or leave their workplaces, and they would go to the temple courts and pray together. They, they, they had this routine that they, they were established. And Peter and John, as we read in, in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, that Peter and John are following along with the routine. They have an objective to go to the temple, and they have a task to pray with the other believers in the temple courts, and this is something that they did every single day at the appointed time of prayer. The, the verse 1 in chapter 3 says, at the appointed time of prayer, which was 3 in the afternoon, they all gathered together, and this was their task, this was their objective, this was their routine day after day. Um, and there was another man who had a similar routine, although his objective was a little bit different. His objective was to get money, or the, uh, the, the objective of his family, maybe, was to get money. And so this crippled man, who was lame from birth um, for 40 years, we find out later, uh, day after day, year after year, he had the same routine. He would go to the temple, or the, his friends would carry him to the temple, set him in front of the only entrance into the temple courts, the beautiful gate. Everybody had to walk by him in order to get into the temple, and he would ask for money. Um, and, but then something crazy happens. In the midst of this routine, in the midst of people having their objectives and having their task and going one place to another and meeting with people, um, God interrupts. God uh, does something amazing in this crippled man's life and in Peter and John's life as well. And the, um, the thing that I want to say to you is that Peter and John, they had, this, they had compassion um, in their hearts. They had, they had followed Jesus for, for three years and they had learned his, his, uh, his method, what, what he did. Uh, they had watched him have compassion. They had watched him time after time after time be interrupted by people on his way to doing something else. And him stopping and saying a word of prayer and they would be healed. Or him going on, like another story, going on to, to heal a girl um, and having this woman touch him from behind and interrupt him and, and her be healed. Um, but they had watched Jesus kind of live this life that was interruptible. And, and that had said something, spoke something very deeply to Peter and John so that even though they're on this routine they're going to go meet with their friends. They're going to go pray. Um, the crippled man says, give me some money. And uh, for whatever reason, at that point in time in history, the Holy Spirit chose that moment to highlight this man to Peter and John. This man probably that Jesus had walked past. If you think about that. Um, that Jesus had walked past several times in his trips to the temple. This man that Peter and John had walked past several times and hadn't noticed. All of a sudden he says, give me, give me some money. And something goes. Um, Peter and John are interrupted, or they're at least willing to be interrupted. And they look, and they see this man, and they're moved with compassion, and they heal him. So when we don't know what we, what we should do, when we have this compassion in our heart, the first thing I want to challenge us to, to just start living into 
is to be willing to be interrupted. <laughs> Just, it's very simple. And what, what being willing to be interrupted does is it gets us in a position to be used by God. If we have our objective and our tasks that we have to accomplish and, and achieve and check off or the people that we have to meet with, and, and, we, and we aren't open to interruption in our life, then we will miss what God wants to do in the life of the people all around us. We'll miss what, what, um, what God wants to do in us um, because we're so goal-focused or we're so task-oriented. We, we miss that, that God is working in the lives of the people right around us. Um, so, I mean, Peter and John, they go to the temple and I was just thinking, you know, let's, let's break this down for Chicago, you know. Like, we have our own routines and objectives and tasks that we go through in our day-to-day life as well, right? Um, you know, we have to take the train, uh, take the L to our business, we, to our work, uh, or we walk to work and we pass by several people on the street. We take our children to play in the park and we're playing with, with uh, adults and children. And our, our lives are constantly, especially in Chicago, um, like we're like molecules in a room, you know, like our, our lives are constantly bumping into each other. But we're kind of like people that are just like going one place. And then there's all these other people bouncing around us. Um, and if we're not allowed to let them kind of run into us and interrupt us for a little bit, um, then we will miss what God wants to do. We'll miss having the opportunity to be his agent of healing and blessing in the world. Um, so... When we're troubled with this feeling that we have of love and don't know what to do about it, um, we should just cultivate <laughs> a willingness to be interrupted. Um, I had a story, but I think for time's sake, I will save that for later. <laughs> um, the second thing is, uh, that I noticed, okay, so we struggle with we don't know what to do. So the first thing is just, just be interruptible. And get into, the, get into a position, get into a place of willingness for, for God to use you. And he'll start bringing people along your path. Um, the second thing that kind of solves this problem, but also gets us to the, the, the second solution. Um, the second problem is, is that we feel powerless a lot of time to actually, to truly help people. We feel powerless. So we don't know what to do, and we feel powerless. Um, and the second solution to that, um, after being interruptible, is um, pray. Um, we don't know what to do. Um, so in, in that sense, we need to get out of the way. I think a lot of times we, we um, uh, the anxiety that we have, the anxiety of like, yes, I have this love, but I don't know what to do, and I don't feel like I'm powerful, that anxiety actually betrays a deeper thing in our hearts that actually said, that, that's actually saying, um, by those thoughts, we're actually saying, like, I have to do this. this. This is on me to affect healing and blessing in the world around me. It's on me to reconcile people to God. And so if I don't know what to do, and if I feel powerless, then I'm, not, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna end up not doing anything. Um, and, but God, and, and what Peter and John model, um, God is asking us to step out of the way and to let him do the work that he has 
empowered us to kind of create this atmosphere for him to work in. Um, I think it's pretty cool. So they, um, our, our, our job or our responsibility, if we have one, is to usher people into the presence of God. It's for us to get out of the way, to not worry about what we can do, or to not worry about whether or not we have power, but to step out of the way and to usher people into the presence of God. And Peter and John are just our great ushers. And I just want to show you their, their character. And so if you look down, um, you know, they, they pray and this man is healed. And uh, all these people gather around him and they're, you know, they're amazed and everything like that. And he says, why, in, in verse 12, he says, why are you amazed? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or our own godliness we had made this man to walk? Um, And then he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. In the midst of of Peter and John's um, lack, uh, their lack of means, he says, silver or gold, we don't have to give you, but what we do have you. But what we do have to give um, in the name of Jesus be healed. Um, In the midst of of their not having uh, the means to help this person financially, um, and also in the midst of not having the power or the ability to heal them themselves, they step out of the way and they usher this man into the presence of God and allow him to do the work that they are, that they don't, they're not able to do, that they have no power to do themselves. So they had a humility and they understood that Jesus was the main character of the show and that their responsibility was simply to usher people and to get them into a position where they can receive from the main character of the show. Um, so we're all, we're all called to do this. We're all called to behave like Peter and John in the world around us. And I want to teach you just a simple question that will allow you <laughs> to be interrupted and to be God's agent of compassion and healing in the world. And so I'm going to say it, and then you repeat after me. Would you mind if I prayed for you right now? All right, so you go ahead and say this. Would you mind if I prayed for you right now? All right, so we're on our, we're on our lines, you know, achieving our objectives and our tasks, and people are bouncing around us like molecules. <laughs> If we're open, and if we want to really partner with God, if we want to join, if we want to stop what we're doing and join Him in what we're, what He's doing, we have to be interrupted. As we're interrupted, we get to know people. All right, and and that's that's what the interruption is. The interruption is getting to know people, is learning about their lives, learning about their struggles, learning about their hopes, learning about their fears, learning about their achievements, learning about their desires. And as, as we are, as God positions us into people's lives, um, he's wanting to create a space for them to be blessed. Uh, I think this is, this is something that we don't understand. This is also something we don't understand. We think that every encounter has to, like, force a decision with somebody. Or every encounter has to, like, lead them to a conversion. Like, we, we have to win them to our side. Or they have to be shown you know, where they're wrong so that they can join the right side. I don't, I don't know. But we have this pressure, and this also adds to the thing of like, I, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I can't, I'm not smart enough to, to have a good, 
to, like, to have the best argument to win this person over or whatever. Um, and so we don't know what to do and we feel, feel powerless. Um, but the thing is, is like all the, those things are all God's responsibility. It's God's responsibility to win people over. It's God's responsibility to woo them. It's our responsibility to usher them into, into his presence. Um, and I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and so we, um, oh, this is where I was going with that. And so our responsibility actually is in, at the end of chapter 3. And it's really to be a blessing. We all can be a blessing to the people around us. You don't have to win people to Christ. It's great if you do. It's great if somebody is at that right, right point in time moment in their life where they are open to the Spirit and want a relationship with Him. And it's great that you would be able to pray with them and counsel them and lead them into a relationship with Him. That's great. But at the end of the day, the, what we've been commissioned to do is to bless people. Um, so in 3.25 through 26, it says, And you are heirs of the prophets and the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, talking about Jesus, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. God's objective, God's, or our role in God commissioning us and Jesus commissioning us is simply to bless people. And I don't know of any better way to bless people than to ask the question, would you mind if I prayed for you right now? Um, and what that, what that is, it's, it's, it's a humble um, expression of ushering people into the presence of God. And it's God's <coughs> presence that is transformative in people's life. It's God's presence that is healing in people's life. Um, I, um, so I've been kind of, I've been practicing this, trying to practice this more in my life, but I was really encouraged. I went to the provincial assembly uh, last, or two weeks ago in Vancouver. All the ACNA clergy and delegates and all that sort of stuff get, uh, gather together and we make decisions and, and hear updates and stuff like that. But uh, one, one great thing about the trip was that I got to reconnect with Bishop Stewart. Um, who is your bishop, in case you don't know. <laughs> and we were just talking and catching up on things. And um, I, I was meeting him for breakfast, and I noticed this guy at the door who was a Canadian man, and he was checking everybody's tickets as they came in for breakfast. But he was this, this happy, jovial guy who um, like made everybody feel welcome with crack jokes and all that sort of stuff. And... Um, I thought, oh man, I really like this guy. He's a good guy. And I went and had my breakfast and sat down. And uh, we were, uh, Bishop Stewart and I were, were talking with some other leaders and things like that. And the same man who was checking the tickets at the door um, came up and, uh, and I found out that Stewart had kind of developed a friendship with this guy. And that, um, you know, they, they had had a few conversations and the guy came up to take our plates because our conversation was going long and they were, they were cleaning up and everything like that. And Stuart just stopped. And as, as this guy was kind of cleaning our, our, our table, he engaged him in conversation. And then, he, and then he just said really simply like, hey, I can't remember his name. Maybe it was like Victor or something like that. Victor, how can we pray for you today? Um, and in that moment, like Victor's whole persona changed um, from this like happy-go-lucky like energetic engaging 
you could just tell that that was all like a show. And all of a sudden, his, his defenses were down. And he said, you know, I would really like prayer that I would be able to find my way in the world. It's like, what? <laughs> that, that is an awesome interruption. What an awesome... Op- and so we, we, you know, we, all st- we all stopped, all the people that were talking, and we just got to pray for him that, that God would help him find his way and that he, and that he, would, find, you know, he would find a peace as he found <coughs> his way in the world. And it was this opportunity where we were interrupted in our conversation. We didn't really know what to say or to do. And we just prayed for this guy and brought him into the presence of God. Um, here's the thing. I've prayed for a lot of people in the United States. I've prayed for a lot of people in India. I have never had anybody say, that prayer sucked. I wish you wouldn't have done that. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, the, the, the very act of putting your hand on somebody, or even if you're not comfortable with that, the very act of praying for them, like ushering them into God's presence, it shows that you care for them, that you're entering into their situation. It shows that you love them. You're taking time out of, um, you know, from your objective or your task to spend time with them. It's communicating value. It's communicating worth. It's communicating love. And the thing is, is that God is love, okay? So if we want to be a compassionate people, we need to bring people into the presence of God. If we bring people into the presence of God, they will be touched by God's love, and they will leave feeling loved and feeling blessed. Um, so just practice that, that question. Would you mind if I prayed for you right now? I think a lot of times we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, thanks for sharing that. I'll be praying for you. You know, and I think that's good if you, if you have a long-term relationship with that person and can check back in to show that you actually cared and love. But what about just being willing to be interrupted right then and there and saying just a short prayer for them right then and there so that they can enter into the presence of God and receive His love directly for themselves. The other thing about praying for people um, is that it ushers people into God's healing presence. Praying ushers people into God's healing presence. I will not pretend to understand how healing works, but I will say that I, I have seen it. I've seen it um, here in the United States, and I've seen it in India where we work and pray for people. I, we, when we go to India, we are just like Peter and John. Like Our head is spinning. Like This Holy Spirit thing is in me. I don't know what to do. I have a love for people. Um, and, you know... We just we don't know what to do. I don't think Peter and John knew what to, knew what to do when they when the Holy Spirit highlighted that crippled man to them. But they just it, it says later that they just were given faith and they prayed a prayer of faith and the man was healed in Jesus' name. It's because of the it's because of Jesus and it's because of the faith that Jesus gave them to pray that prayer. We don't know what to do, um, and we don't know how to pray. But for whatever reason, God does heal. I mean, I know the reason why. God heals uh, because he wants Jesus to be glorified. He wants the name of Jesus to be made famous. He wants uh, people to be drawn to him. He wants people to be drawn to Jesus through us as we pray compassionate prayers for people. And, And the thing is, is that he has the power. We don't have the power. And so we need to bring people into into his um, power, into his healing presence. 
Um, one of my roles in India is that I, um, I meet with and encourage uh, Indian church planters. And part of, part of encouraging them and meeting with them is just hearing their stories. Almost every Indian worker that I have worked with in India, um, they, they're, they're doing what they're doing today because God healed them in some way. So I have a friend that, his name is Shivaji, um, and he, he's, a, he's a full-time worker with YWAM in India. And he said, you know, I had this, um, I had partial deafness in, in one of my ears. And, um, you know, my family had spent a lot of money taking us to witch doctors or, in, or hiring priests to do special worship services for us and all that sort of stuff. And, and, but none of those people could actually heal me. Um, and then one day I met this pastor and he prayed for me and I received full, you know, full restoration of healing in my ear. And so that's, that's when I knew that Jesus was real. That's, that's, that's when I knew that Jesus was calling me to follow him and dedicates his life to serving him. You know, we, um, um, oh man, I'm, so, so many stories, um, but, um, yeah, I just that that God um, wants to use us uh, to touch and to to heal people um, as as we're compassionate, and we don't have to we don't have to manufacture anything. At, at the very core, we basically just have to um, allow ourselves to be interrupted, and then usher those people into the presence of God. And he'll, he'll do the work that we feel powerless to do or that we don't know to do. God will do it for us so that more people can be drawn into relationship with him. Um, I want to just close in prayer. I wrote uh, just in a, in a response to that statement I had said in the beginning, mostly I feel a deep love for people and I am powerless to express it. I wrote two, two prayers and they're not, they're not anything super great. But um, just wanted us to, to pray it together as a way of kind of um, recentering ourselves on Jesus and, and um, being people of compassion in the world. So go ahead and pray with me. Lord, burn away my flesh and the fears that characterize it until my inner man is my outward man. And my outward man is my inner man for your sake, for my sake, for the sake of all those who are far from you. Lord, grant us the resolve and the courage to be conspicuously spiritual <laughs> so that all those who are open and hungry may be drawn to you through us. You are worthy because you were slain and shed your blood to purchase them for the Father. Father, we do pray that we would be people that are willing to be interrupted, Lord. We, that we would be people who, who um, have positioned ourselves um, so that you can use us in the lives of people around us. We pray, Father, that you would fill us with a deep love and with the courage to usher people into your presence, Lord. In the very thing um, that we see as our weakness, not having the right words, not having the power or whatever, Lord, that's the very thing that you want to use 
so that your power may be made perfect, so that you may be fully glorified, um, so that Jesus may be fully glorified. And so we pray, Father, that you just give us courage to usher people into your presence, into your loving presence, into your healing presence, by asking this one simple question. Would you mind if I prayed for you right now? Lord, give us the courage to say those prayers and to meet those people and to do those works on your behalf. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.